I am so excited about the response to the nursery ministry. That is awesome. Thank you so much. That's going to make a huge difference. And uh, I actually want to talk to you about service this morning. Because uh, there's, there's something I, I saw in my devotions recently that I'd never really put together before that I think will speak to us about the things that we do for the Lord inside the church world and outside the church world. Um, one of the, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person, and many of you are too, that I like to do things for people. I like to, I like to just do something special to make them feel loved. Many of you are that way too because I've been the recipient of that from many of you. In fact, uh, uh, someone, just, someone just recently brought me some uh, uh, sparkling grape juice, non-alcoholic, and, uh, but it had, they knew I liked Star Wars, and so they had Star Wars labels on it, and they thought I would like it, so they brought it to me. And I, just, I love that, you know? Uh, do you ever feel like that when you do something nice for someone, though, you ever feel like that for, it's a good feeling to do something nice, but in the same way, it's a terrible feeling sometimes when you do something nice for someone and it doesn't seem like it's appreciated, Right? You ever had that happen? You ever feel like what you do really doesn't matter? That it's not making a difference? That it's not recognized? That it's wasted? Come on. You ever felt that way? Think about the last time someone did something special for you. Something you did not even ask them to do. And they just knew it would be meaningful to you and they did it because they love you. That is a special feeling. And there's an example of this in David's life that it's easy just to kind of read right past it and miss the significance of what happens here. In 2 Samuel 23, David had just been crowned king of Israel and the Philistines had moved against him before his kingdom became well established. They managed to occupy Bethlehem, which was David's hometown. And since David didn't have a strong army yet, he had to flee to a stronghold in the wilderness of Judah. He was joined there by many loyal volunteers, many of whom had stood with him when he was under attack by King Saul. And in this group, there were three men in particular that were especially committed to the cause of King David. And so I want to talk to you about something that these guys did for David. And the title is, as you can see on the screen, it's the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things that matter the most. Amen? Amen. So let's read this together. 2 Samuel 23, starting with verse 13. During harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephraim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. Now watch this. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. 
Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. Now, the first time I read this, it puzzled me a little bit. I mean, such a big deal about a drink of water. Why would, why would the Lord even include this in His Word? I mean, they went to get just a drink of water. Well, that was nice, but hardly, I mean, at first glance, hardly worthy of inclusion in the timeless Scripture. And why on earth then, when these guys went to all this trouble to get a drink of water for him, why on earth would David pour it out? But when we take a second look, there's much more going on here than we might realize. It has to do with the heart of a servant. God honors those who serve. Let me say that again. God honors those who serve. Amen. Amen. So let's explore this. Now, we have three goals for everybody that comes to New Life. First goal is that they are engaged in worship. And that's our weekly services, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, that we are engaged in worshiping God together and singing and receiving the Word and, and just honoring God in our time together, engaged in worship. Number two, that they would be connected in community. This would be our connect groups. Our men are going to see this movie about Moses uh, next weekend. Uh, women's ministry meets every month. We have connect groups that meet throughout the week. We have Sunday school classes. Some kind of small group. We can't build community in the large settings because the pews are all facing forward. And so we need to not be in rows. We need to be in circles to build community. And so we, our goal is for everybody to be involved in some kind of connect group. Engaged in worship, connected in community, and then third, serving in ministry. So everybody needs to be serving in ministry in some capacity because it's what we're created for. So let's put it this way in the context of our verses today. There is water in the well that everyone can carry. There is something that every one of us can do. And, and, and understand when I'm talking about serving in ministry, I'm not necessarily even talking about teaching a class or doing something on the campus of New Life Assembly. I'm talking about serving others every day wherever you go. So you could be serving in the church world, or you could be serving in the business world, or you could be serving at home, wherever. But in some capacity, using the gifts that God has given you to, to enrich the lives of others and to glorify God. That's our goal for every person here. So, with that in mind, let's explore this idea then that these three warriors show us about serving. And here's the main idea for today. This, if you get nothing else, here's what you need to get today. Little things become holy things when done for the king. Can I say that together? Little things become holy things when done for the king. So, so let's dig in. Here's, here's what this verse begins to tell us. This is the first thing I realized when I began to dig into this verse, is that what others see as waste, God sees as holy. What others see as waste, God sees as holy. See, the key to this story is in verse 16. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Now, now get the picture here. <clears throat> David just mentions casually, he's, he's, he's 
running for his life. He's hiding in a cave, and he's like, oh, I wish I could just have a drink of water from the well near the gates of my home. You ever had that? You know, you ever long for something from your home? When you're away from home, maybe it's, maybe it's a certain drink. Maybe it's a certain food that mama used to cook. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's the, the sights or the smells of home, whatever it is. But you're longing for some taste of home. And, and he didn't order anybody to do this. He just mentioned, oh, I just wish I had a drink from the well near the gates of Bethlehem. And so these three guys take it upon themselves. They risk their lives to break through the Philistine lines, get some water and come back through the Philistine lines all the way back to Adullam and hand in this drink of water. They risked everything just to give their king a treat. And how does David respond? How does he show gratitude for this? He takes the drink of water, he holds it up, and he pours it on the ground. That's strange. I mean, think about it this way, that Kim and I love coffee. Can I get a witness here this morning? (laughs) And not just any coffee. It has to be good. I am a certifiable coffee snob, right? I mean, you know, Maxwell House and Folgers doesn't cut it. It's got to be at least Starbucks. I mean, it's got to be something that's, it has to be good coffee. And don't run it by putting cream in it. I mean, you just, you just lose all the flavor. I mean, you, you got to take the, you got to experience the coffee. <laughs> and one of, the, one of the things I love about traveling is that everywhere you go, there's a unique um, blend of coffee that's made available. One of the best coffees I've ever experienced was in my trips to Haiti. There's a coffee that they harvest there that is absolutely amazing. So imagine that someone takes a trip to Haiti or somewhere in the Caribbean, and they get hold of some of this Haitian coffee, and they bring it back to me, and 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 I take the coffee, and I brew it, and I hold the cup up, and I was like, this is amazing. This is coffee for me. This is what I've longed for for years. And I take the cup and turn it upside down. I would definitely need help, wouldn't I? I mean, something's wrong. And, but, but imagine you're the one that brought me the coffee. You're the one that went all the way across Port-au-Prince, Haiti, when you were on your trip to get me that coffee that you knew that I liked. How would you feel if I poured it out instead of drinking it? Well, see, that's what David did. Poured it out on the ground. And so I read that, and I think, what a waste. This is ridiculous. These guys risked their lives. But you see, if that's the way we view this story, we're missing the point. It's just a drink of water. What's the big deal? Number one, <clears throat> they did it out of their love for David. Number two, They left the relative safety of their cave. And number three, they put themselves on the line to bring a blessing to David. So this was more than just a drink of water. This was an expression of profound love and sacrifice to David. And David recognized that. 
he wasn't <clears throat> pouring it out on the ground to waste it. What he was doing was what they called a drink offering, was pouring it out before the Lord as an act of worship because it was holy. In other words, David said, I am not worthy to drink this because it's so holy. This can only be given to God. So what you and I may see as waste, God saw as holy. So this is actually a beautiful picture of ministry. Think about it for just a minute. Sometimes what we do in ministry involves a great deal of work. It involves putting yourself on the line. It involves getting out of the comfortable and safe places of our lives to do something that seems really small and insignificant sometimes. Sometimes ministry is not glamorous. In fact, most of the time, ministry is not glamorous. And sometimes what we do seems like it's just wasted, like water that's poured out on the ground. But when we do it out of love to honor our precious King Jesus, it becomes something that is profound and holy. Even the smallest act of service becomes a memorial to the Lord. Little things become holy things when done for the King. What others see as wasted, God sees as holy. Number two, While others try to shine, we must seek to serve. While others try to shine, we must seek to serve. What do I mean? Look at verse 14. It says, At that time David was in the stronghold. The Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would bring a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. Now, you know what stands out to me in these verses? David never ordered them to get the water. This is not the act of some self-serving maniacal tyrant who had to have things exactly the way he wanted. That would be one thing. That for a king to say, you know what, that water's not good enough. I want water from behind the enemy lines. I mean, I've had a little taste of this. We had an evangelist one time that sent us multiple pages of requirements before we brought him in. And, and one of those requirements for his hotel room was that he had to have a certain brand of water and a certain size bottle, which for some reason they don't sell in Alabama, and, and, and listed every bit of snacks and provisions that he had to have in the hotel room. Now, I believe in taking care of our guests. That's part of hospitality. God honors that. But there's one thing about being appreciative and there's another thing about demanding, right? And, and, so, and by the way, we didn't let that guy finish his ministry here. We gave him his bottles of water and told him to get back on the plane. <laughs> <coughs> but see, that's not David. These three men simply overheard David mention how much he would love a drink from his hometown. And they took it upon, them, took it upon themselves to get it. They were on the lookout for opportunities to serve. It's the difference between do I have to and yes, I get to. And many of us never get past the do I have to's in our walk with God. Many of us never get past, well, do I have to tithe to be saved? 
Do I have to go to church every week to, to be right with God? Do I have to work in ministry to get to heaven? If that's the way we approach it, we're completely missing the point. I've got something. And it's not a matter of what we have to do because a tyrannical king demands it of us. It's a matter of responding out of love because we are devoted to our king who has given everything for us. And so these guys didn't look for glory in the battle. They looked for an opportunity to serve their king. And earlier in the chapter, we learned a little bit about these guys. We find out that one of them killed 800 soldiers in a single battle. The second one fought so long and hard in one particular battle that his hand couldn't open to release his sword once the battle was won. The third guy single-handedly defended an entire field against the Philistines. These were powerful warriors, and yet none of them was too important in their own minds to serve even the smallest, even in the smallest ways. Let me put it to you like this. The plunger and the platform are equally important in the eyes of God. If we are too good to pick up a plunger and serve, we're not worthy to be on the platform and preach. Amen? (laughs) Ministry is not about the spotlight. It's about serving even when no one is watching. It's about doing what we can to honor God even if no one says thank you or recognizes our effort. Little things become holy things when done for our King. The third point. Where others see losers, God sees warriors. Though others see losers, God sees warriors. So let's think about this group of volunteers that's hiding with David in the cave. These must be some amazing people, right? I mean, we're talking about the best of the best. Where on earth did David find such amazing warriors? Well, we're told back in 1 Samuel chapter 22. This is where the group comes together. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. So let's break this down. Look at who these folks were. The distressed. They're under pressure. They're stressed out. Stuff's not going their way. The bankrupt. They're in debt. They couldn't even pay their bills. The creditors were after them. And so they retreated to the caves. And then the discontented. The bitter-hearted, wronged, and mistreated of the world. It's kind of funny when you think about it because... David says, I gathered some of the most stressed out, bankrupt, and bitter people I've ever met, and I became their leader. (laughs) I mean, what a crowd for David to be surrounded by in one of the darkest times of his life. But when they joined together, when they united to fight a common battle with David, 
they became something more. They became mighty warriors. These losers became warriors who would give their lives in service of the king. Sounds a little bit like the church, doesn't it? Right? Look at how Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 6. In 1 Corinthians 6. Thank you. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men. Let's just reflect on that for a moment. And notice what he says. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Sounds a little bit like the deceivers and the bankrupt and the disenfranchised, right? The sexually immoral... I mean, and, and, and the, the, the ones that, I mean, these were the messed up, the worst of the worst. And he said, these are the folks that won't make it into the kingdom of God. And he says, and that's what some of you were. But, I like what Ephesians, when, when Ephesians describes the condition of our sinful state. And then he says, but God, who is rich in mercy, but God, when God showed up, when God intervened, He washed you, cleansed you, sanctified you, and gave you a new beginning. And so many times we think that because of our past that God will not accept us. Or we think that because of our past, God cannot use us. Or because of our past, God will not bless us. But I'm here to tell you today that your past will not determine your future. You may think you're the kind of person that God cannot use, but you're wrong. You may think you have nothing to offer the Lord, but you are wrong. Every act of service becomes an act of worship. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 10, 42. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. I wonder if Jesus had this story from David in mind when he said this. Just as the three warriors went above and beyond to bring a fresh drink of water to their king, Jesus said, if you bring even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, one of these that's my disciples, if you bless one of these people, I'll reward you. In another place, he said it like this, what you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. It's an act of worship. So if you struggle with feeling, I don't have anything to offer. I'm not worthy. Listen, Jesus made you worthy. Jesus said, I took the bitter, the disenfranchised, the broke, And I became their king. Little things become holy things 
when done for the king. You have an opportunity to bless the king with your life today. And whether that is serving in the nursery, as many of you just indicated that you're willing to do, whether that's serving on our welcome team with Francis and greeting people as they come in, serving in kids' church, ushering, going to Bible college like Taylor, or whether it's simply finding a widow that's in need in your community and just stepping alongside to help out with groceries or taking care of their yard or something like that. You know, James says that that's true religion when we do that. You have something to offer God through your life, through what, where you've been, through the skills you have, through the gifts He's given you. There is something God can do through you that will be an act of worship for Him. We have many opportunities to serve right here, as I just mentioned. And we have, there's still other areas of ministry that we need, we need people to, to step up. We need help in security. We need help in our Wednesday evening meal prep. Uh, as I mentioned, the nursery and the welcome team. Because we're not here just to receive ministry. We're here to join in and take part of the mission of the church. We have a mission as a church. We have a mission to transform this community. And so none of these positions I mentioned will put you in the limelight. None of the things I've described you could do outside the church will get you the accolades of men. Some of them may even seem like very small things, but our Lord sees every single one. And so... We are in a, in a state right now, in this day and age, where we cannot look at church as usual. We must reach this generation in our community, which means we must be ready to receive them as they come. And I do not want us to, 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 have, to for God to send young families to us and for us to not be prepared to receive them when they come. Do you? I don't want to have to answer for that. I want, to be, I want all of us to be able to stand up and say, Lord, whatever you want. I'm ready. Lord, I surrender all. I will do whatever you've called me to do. There is no ministry that is so small or insignificant that it doesn't matter. There is no ministry that is beneath us and no ministry that is above us. It's all ministry. So I want to challenge you. Be, are you willing truly to say to the Lord, I surrender all today, whatever it is that he has for you. You know, <clears throat> I was at AGTS a couple weeks ago, and <clears throat> there was a missionary there that spoke at one of our lunch sessions. Um, name's, name is leaving me right now, but he, he leads the Live Dead movement. And the idea is basically when they go overseas, he's going into some of the hardest areas, some of the strongest Muslim uh, areas in the world, and they go with the, with the understanding that they could lose their life. They're living dead. And, and so he came to share with us about what it means to, to really give our lives for anything God has for us. And he said, you know, Paul, uh, Jesus talks about, and Paul talks about, uh, taking up our cross and dying daily. 
And part of dying daily is, is simply, even in the little things, like he said, going to bed on time so that you can get up early enough to be uh, refreshed and, and rested to do whatever God's called you to do. Just things like self-care and all that. It's, you're taking care of yourself so that you can be more useful to the kingdom. And that really struck me. I mean, it's not like I've even said that before, but it was something about that moment. It was like God just kind of got me and said, hey, boom, you know, you listening, you know? Because we, we tend to have the idea that, that, we, that we need to just burn ourselves out for the Lord. I've heard, I actually heard a preacher say one time, the devil doesn't take a day off. Why should I? My response to that is the devil's not my role model. Hello. Right? The point is simply this, that we must prepare ourselves for whatever God wants to do with us. So I want to challenge you today. Are you willing to truly say, like the hymn says, I surrender all to Jesus? Let's pray.